You're listening to The Comedy Cellar, live from the table, on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. It's live from the table, the official podcast of the Comedy Cellar here on Sirius XM Radug 99. We have a jam-packed show tonight. By the way, Noam's not here, which is why I'm doing the introduction. Noam is, he's uh, not feeling well, but he'll be back. Don't worry, it's nothing serious. Um, it is Canadian, it is Canada Day come, uh, belated Canada Day here at the uh, Live from the Table. We have two Canadian guests. We have Graham Kay from... Uh, Ottawa. Ottawa, Ottawa, Ontario, Ontario, Canada. And he's newly passed here at the Comedy Cellar, so congratulations to Graham. Thank you. And we have with us the legendary Tom Green. Awesome. I'm from Ottawa, too. Also from Ottawa. And Graham and I know each other. We've performed in uh, Yuck Yucks in Ottawa. In Ottawa. This is the brilliance of my booking. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I figured there might be a connection uh, when when we booked you, and I figured another Canadian uh, and Sparks will definitely, there'll be Sparks of some sort. Absolutely. Buckle up. Whenever so, Graham and I get together, yeah. it sparks fly. Well, I mm-hmm. thought it might. That's, that's what we always say. That's what people I, of Ottawa say. I'm yeah. looking forward to. Oh, and of Us course, Ottawa people are nuts. <laughs> uh, last, but certainly but not least, our producer is with us, Perielle Ashenbrand. Sometimes we forget to introduce nice her. To meet you. She's our producer. She's not officially an on-air uh, nice. personality, but yet she is. I you're, don't know. She's. You're like Freddie de Cordova. <laughs> I I feel like I I wasn't supposed to be, but then. You know, yeah. they, they realized how invaluable I was. I, I, I've been listening to a few episodes, getting prepared. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I like that. Yeah. yeah. And your thoughts are? And uh, did you get? Did you listen to a few? Times? No, I've listened to every single one. Whoa. I listened to the, every episode. God, actually. he's right. good. Yeah. And what did you think? <laughs> I loved it, man. I loved it. It, it was it was tough because it took about like five hundred hours. Uh-huh. About yeah. I've been just on the planes and you know every right. day I kind of. I'm, pop I'm one looking on. for. I've heard good things about you, Tom. Personally, <laughs> yeah. of course, I've known. About your career for a long time, but uh, I came in here and Steve, our uh, outside Steve, the manager, said that you're a sweet guy and and that uh, a wonderful guy, and uh, so I'm looking forward to this. A little uh, handsy. He's a little handsy. Well, yeah. he didn't he didn't mention that. <laughs> Wait, I want to know what Graham thought. He said he listened to a few episodes. Well, in I was just saying that, that you're you're you uh, you're. I didn't realize that you're unofficial because you're you're on oh, the mic a lot and you're very good at it and you oh, are thank necessary. You. That's but very sometimes kind of you. conversations can become a vacuum with a you know a, 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 there's just a lot of white guys in this. Right. Biz, that's. You know? I mean, that's also sort of yeah. the box that I checked. But we all we did just get. That's a, not. I'm not saying you check. No, a box. no, no. I mean, it's okay. But we just got a comment on Instagram saying, "Can we mute Periel's well, microphone?" Well, certainly there are people so. that feel that way. <laughs> oh, well, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, now, Tom, you're here at the Comedy Cellar doing stand-up tonight, and you've yeah. been doing stand up here all week. Um, now you're you're wait, you, read the intros. Periel does these these intros. She okay, oh, yeah, I'll read the intro. Yeah, I, I don't know that Tom needs an intro. I like it though. If you were alive in the nineteen nineties, he certainly doesn't because he uh, was hosted the popular Tom Green show uh, and Tom Green's man on the street pranks changed television forever, according oh, like to that. the introduction. Thank you. And I guess ruined it led, I guess it led to Jackass too, ultimately. It ruined everything. He was on the cover of Rolling Stone, hosted SNL, and guest hosted Letterman, and appeared in mainstream Hollywood movies like Road Trip, Freddie Got Fingered, Stealing oh Harvard, and Charlie's Angels, which <laughs> is up for a reboot. I was the Chad in Charlie's Angels. The Chad. It's on yeah. Netflix now. Yeah, I saw it, I think, when it came out. That was yeah. some, some years back. Played I don't the recall. Chad. Graham Kay uh, uh, has been on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, NBC's Bring the Funny, and had a role in the Super 
Troopers 2 movie, which I didn't know that you had a role in that. That's so Do you cool. Why it's important yeah. to read those. It's so cool. You know, we started doing stand-up, the exact same club in Ottawa, Yuck Yucks, Yuck, Yuck, basement yeah. comedy club. Mm-hmm. It's been there for 30 years. Uh, you know, I started when I was in high school doing stand-up there, and before I did the Tom Green show, and then I met Graham recently in recent years up there. doing when I, Whenever I go home to visit uh, Ottawa in the summer, my family lives there, I always do, uh, do a weekend at Yuck Yucks. Well, and, st- uh, so stand-up was your, your initial... Thing in in show business. I, I guess so. I mean, I guess you could say so. I mean, I was I was doing you know open mic nights and stuff when I was in high school, and I loved it, and uh, I did it for a few years, and uh, then I started uh, broadcasting school and uh, started uh, doing radio actually on the Ottawa University radio station, and uh, then I uh, built a. Uh, Which I listened to as a little boy. Did you listen to that show? I sure did. Yeah. The Midnight Caller, it was called. We yeah. did a phone-in well, show on Friday nights, and people would call in, and I'd goof on the people on the air. And a little like, bit, a yeah. little bit. But uh, the, the, your your other show, what you're getting to, uh, is what. Uh, oh, the uh, Tom Green show. Yeah. yeah. And then I started that on uh, on uh, public access well, television. Look, we, in Ottawa, we, so. as kids, sorry, as kids, when we, I grew, I was, I'm a little younger than him. I was maybe 14, and it would be what Friday night or something like that. Yeah, it was. Yeah, Thursday nights. Yeah. Thursday night. So yeah. we'd be out in you know in the summer. You know, running around trying to smoke weed or whatever, and then we run home to watch his show. Like, on, on leave fun to like go watch like local public access. Perryell, you were wondering yeah, was, why I, I asked for Graham K to be booked <laughs> on this show. I was That's not cool. wondering why. I just said that it, I the first email I sent, he didn't get back to me. No, yeah. I did. But then no, I, no, I sent one through your site, and then, and then I and then you said, that, who, by the way, you might want to know you that said, you said you <laughs> said your <laughs> website doesn't work. You said. <laughs> Well, Graham can't make it. Who else can we bring? I said. No, I said, I said you're not Graham listening didn't write to me. me back. I said you're not listening to me. I said the guest is Graham. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. How many bookings have I lost? And I didn't have well, a Dan Nannerman on my side. <laughs> no, he really, he really, he really. I mean, I was like, sure, I can try him again. Anyway, uh, I just so so now you're back into stand up, or how long have you been back into the stand up, uh, Tom? Uh, I don't know, ten years. Oh, okay, so you've yeah, been I've back been I've been touring time. pretty much nonstop the last ten years. That's what I've been doing. And so, uh, but uh, it's great. You know, usually when I you know I've been in New York, I've been doing. Uh, Weekends at Caroline's the last 10 years, every year, but I haven't really come to New York and just gone around the city and, and done spots and been here, and this is really incredible and uh, exciting to be here at the Comedy Cellar. You know? Graham, are you, do you know his stand-up? Because I haven't seen it yet. I'm looking forward to it. I yeah, know it's very good. It's very good. He's a natural performer, naturally funny, and, uh, well, w- and I've seen it evolve because I was uh, w- when I, one of his first, he might have been uh, two years in, and he's a, he, has a, he has an issue because he, he has to start as a headliner. Because he's so famous. Yeah. So I, I caught him at the beginning of that, and and he was very smart, and he would do, you know, do the characters in the beginning to get 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 them what they want, and then he would go into stand up, and then now he's like his writing is caught up to how talented he is as a performer. That, that's an interesting point that's to bring nice up compliment. as a um, as perfor- some people that are famous for non stand up related things as you are or initially. Um, if you do stand up, yeah, you can't be somebody's opening act because you're famous. I so, guess so. So, yeah. so then you have to be a full headliner, but if you're not necessarily don't have the material, don't have the hour, the 45 minutes, that can be tricky. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard for me to really analyze it, because I always look at it like I did stand-up, and then I started my TV show, and I spent years writing my television show, and writing monologues, and performing on TV, so it kind of always felt like my TV show was rooted in stand-up to me, because I knew that I did that before, but most people in... America, just think of me as the guy that was from that show on MTV well, like, or in that movie Road Trip, so they don't really 
I know Screech from know Saved I... by the Bell yeah. when he started doing stand-up because he was famous from Saved by the Bell, but he didn't necessarily have enough material. But he also wasn't a writer. Like he, like... I'm, I'm just saying, but that is a phenomenon. It may not apply to Tom, but that's... Uh, the, fa- the famous people getting into sure. stand-up and, and not necessarily having 45 minutes of material. Sure, I, I agree, yeah. with you, but, there, but there is, a, there is a, a distinct difference in that he's an actor who got fed lines and Tom wrote, or at least had a big hand in most of his I'm funny sketches. I'm not sure sketches. I like uh, you, you disparaging Screech on my program. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. He is a powerhouse. Um, you can compare me to Screech if you want. <laughs> but um, So let's talk about the Tom Green Show. For, for our younger, we do have some, I assume, younger people that may not be familiar with the Tom Green Show. Yeah. Um, but this was like, uh, you did a lot of pranks. Yes, I did, absolutely, yeah. I, I, uh, I was always into skateboarding when I was a kid growing up. And um, I, uh, you know, I um, would watch these videos that, that were sort of something you'd never really seen before on television. You know, this was before reality TV. We're talking about the 80s, right? In the late 80s. So, you know, you'd have skateboard videos like Animal Chin and... Pal Peralta, Tony Hawk videos, they'd go out in the street, they'd do all this crazy stuff. Skateboarding was the theme, but you wouldn't see anything like that on TV. There was no YouTube, all of that kind of thing. So that was always a big inspiration for me, as well as Letterman. You know, he was a huge fan of Letterman. I was doing stand-up. I loved David Letterman. I would go down to the comedy club when I was in high school, wearing my dad's suit, wearing khaki pants and Adidas sneakers, literally doing Letterman, you know, That's trying amazing. to be Letterman. And, um, and so there was a lot of that influence, you know, when Letterman would go out in the street and, uh, and do, uh, you know, man-on-the-street stuff or yell out the window of Rockefeller Center with, uh, with his uh, megaphone. That was kind of like what made me want to get a video camera, get a desk, put it in a TV studio, and make a TV show. Because I knew that no one was ever going to give me a TV show, so I just had to go so figure out how to make a Canadian TV show. So you did it in Canadian public access at first. Absolutely. I studied broadcasting in college. And uh, basically, you know, because you got to remember back in like 1994, there was no, uh, you know, you didn't really have, everyone didn't have cameras in their phone, obviously. There was no YouTube, but obviously there was, there wasn't even really many video cameras, you know. The only way you could get access to editing equipment was to somehow convince the TV channel to let you use their equipment. I went to school, I got access to the equipment at school, but all that stuff was too expensive. University of Ottawa? Algonquin College, okay. Algonquin College, yeah. So, yeah, I studied uh, broadcasting there, so it was cool. But yeah, it was the only way you could get access to the the cool equipment, you know, in 1992, you know. So, so how did your public access lead eventually to an MTV show? What's well, what's, what's that? Uh, how did that happen? So basically, I I, I did this show and uh, I did it for probably about I don't know six or seven years, and uh, you know it was. Uh, we got a we got a pilot episode. We got picked. It sort of developed a cult following, I guess, is the easy way to describe it in Canada. You know, like you said, Graham was running home to watch it. There were kids coming down. But to this the is the show. This is the public access Ottawa show. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah. So. so people knew about it. We had, you know, I was trying to get, you know, a deal. You know, I wanted to work in television. So I was, I was a very ambitious kid. You know, I was like making tapes and sending them off to Saturday Night Live and to MTV and to everybody. You know. The CBC. We got a we got a pilot episode when I was I don't know, 26 years old, with 26 or 27 years old with the CBC, and uh, we did that episode. They passed on it. We got picked up by this new network in Canada called the Comedy Network, 
and uh, did uh, two seasons there, and then MTV heard about it and moved me to New York, and I never left. I've been living, living in the United States for 20 years now, and uh, thank you, MTV. changed my life. It's a life-changing thing. It really and, was And then from incredible. there, you did several movies, several big movies. Yeah, I... Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, it was it was, it was very. Uh, but you know, it really was MTV that really kind of changed my life, really, because the, the, just the impact of MTV at the time in 1999, everybody yeah, was, was watching MTV. It was just you know, it was, there's nothing really even comparable to it. I don't think people even really know or certainly remember uh, the way MTV worked. But in 1999, they picked up my show. We'd been doing it for five or six years in Canada. I had about a thousand of these videos all recorded, and when we went to MTV, we would, you know, edit them all and re-air them all on MTV. And it basically, we had sort of 10 or 20 episodes already completed immediately when the show started. And they were shot, like, not running them through the MTV system, you know, where you had, you know, the standard way of making television. It was not sanitized. It was raw. It looked really kind of... Like something no one had ever seen on MTV. Look, Gorilla, Gorilla TV. Yeah. yeah, and so what? What MTV did, which you know people probably forget, but they they ran that show six times a day, every day, seven days a week, for like two years, and so it was like on all day. You know, it, it was it was you turn on the show on MTV in 1999, 2000, the show was on. What, All day. B back in those days, what else was big on MTV? The Real World, I guess, was... Um, the Real World was on. Uh, uh, they had uh, The only other real shows they had were... They only had like five or six shows on the... The Osbournes was still, I think, a couple years, a few years away. That hadn't started yet, you know? Um... You know, I think, you know, honestly, like, I was doing all these pranks on my parents. I was doing all this stuff to my parents on my show. I think MTV kind of realized, hey, that's, that's kind of interesting, you know? Like... Yeah, you didn't you like filming, wake them up filming by... real people. I think you know I'm responsible for the Kardashians. You know, you, I like to feel like you know we weren't accustomed to seeing families disintegrating on television. Were, I think you were more, you know, I like more to think of a I jackass that. predecessor than a. a I mean, I'm just, I'm just kidding around. I don't think I'm uh, responsible for the Kardashians, but responsible uh, you know, for Trump, though. Yeah, yeah, Trump. I'll, I'll blame me for Trump. Yeah. But uh, what is that? Your parents, I like, seem to remember you. You went into their room with like firecrackers or something and woke them up in the middle of the night. Uh, I went into my parents' bedroom in 1994 with um, Highland Dancers. Uh, I went into their bedroom with uh, a Bagpiper and Highland Dancers. I went in them with uh, with uh, we went in a lot. Of, we went into their room with Monica Lewinsky oh uh, my in 1999. God. Uh, we That's went into their amazing. Yeah, we went woke them up with Monica Lewinsky. That was after the show had been on MTV. Um, I went into their uh, room with a, uh, a decapitated cow's head that we got from the local sl slaughterhouse and put it in their in their bed and said, uh, "This is a message from Don Carleone." Uh, so you know, we we did some crazy stuff. But um, yeah, the, oh, fire no the, the firecrackers was Jackass. See, you're getting mixed oh, up. I'm getting mixed you're up. getting mixed up with Jackass. See, they did a lot of things on Jackass that that we did on my show. So there was a lot of Precise, you know, they borrowed a lot of our ideas. Well, how do you precise parents... borrowing? Yeah. <laughs> well, we stand on the shoulders of giants. Yeah. I uh, look. I was. I was. Not I was. Me. I was. I was yelling and through a megaphone because I love Letterman yelling through a megaphone. I mean, I had a desk because I grew up watching David Letterman and I wanted a desk. So we all we all are inspired by things. And Steve O is a friend of mine. Is straight up told me he would watch the Tom Green show on VHS tapes and was inspired by it. So I got no problem with it. What did your parents think about that as, as it was happening? I mean, did they eventually get into it and say, like, okay, this is, you know, 
this yeah. is like uh, our son, how our son makes his living, or, or you know, you know, my parents, my parents were excited for me, and always, you know, even though I was doing these pranks, they were always supportive. I mean, you know, they let me go down to the comedy club when I was 15 years old to do stand-up on Thursday nights when I was in high school, you know, for and all through high school, every week I'd go down to the comedy club, and you know, so they knew since an early age this was what I wanted to do, you know. Are you an and only child? I have a younger brother, yeah, I have a younger brother, but. Uh, but well, what I'm hearing yeah. here is the is the story so, of a very ambitious, very um, nerdy self-starting, nerd, very nerdy kid. Yeah. And it reminds me a bit of Judd Apatow, who we had interview we interviewed here recently, who would he would write down the sketches for SNL word for word before you could record mm. it on VHS. He would write it down. He would interview celebrities for his high school uh, radio or whatever it was, but also as a very young kid, very... What I'm trying to say is I get it now why I have never gone anywhere in this business. <laughs> because We've always I'm comparing it. my... Because the people that have really succeeded, really, I'm seeing a pattern here. Yeah. What's, they, the, pa- what's the pattern? The pattern of a tremendous ambition, very young, and doing things that nobody else was doing at the time. Yeah. I, I always feel like, you know, like, I mean, to... Succeed in this business, you have to have two of three things. Okay, you either have to have, you know, if, if you looked at it like a triangle, you've got talent, you've got luck, and you've got hard work. So you say two of those things. Two of those things. You, if you have no talent but you work hard and you get some luck, you'll 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 do fine. If you've got talent and no luck but you work hard, talent and luck, you'll do fine. If you if you don't work hard but you've got talent and luck, you'll do fine. So any two of those things. Talent, luck, hard work. So if you feel like, you know, okay, well, shit, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not getting any luck here. You know, I better work really hard and uh, better work on my craft and figure out how to do this and, and it'll be fine. But, uh, but also, you know. again, what you were doing was not, you were taking the road that at that time was not taken. Nowadays, of course, everybody has a podcast, everybody has a blog, everybody is doing those things. But you were doing that kind of shit before anybody was doing it. I've always kind of like... <clears throat> I had like a thing that happened like a little bit before the show, which is kind of very, you know, inside my life. And, you know, but when I was a teenager, I started a rap group, okay? And we got a record deal when I was in high school, right after high school. But the reason that happened was because I like, I saw like technology was changing. Like I saw like Run DMC and the Beastie Boys came out. And that was my era. And I heard that music and I thought, boy, that, what is this? You know, it sounds different. And then I started trying to figure out why it sounded different. And I, electronic music became a thing that I was into. Drum machines and sampling and all that kind of stuff. So I, I, I got into that and I kind of identified that if you figured out how to use technology before anybody else did, that you could kind of be the only person doing something. Okay, So we were the only goofy rap group in Ottawa in 19... 19- 87, okay? We were the only rap group in Ottawa. When I was a kid, I rem- they had a hit song that was on the Canadian uh, MTV. It's called Much Music. And uh, it's called Check the OR. I don't know what it means. Yeah. But it stands like, for Organized Rhyme. Our organi- band, oh, our that's band right. was called Organized that's Rhyme. Right, that's it was right. very confusing. That's right. No, yeah. no, it makes sense. Yeah. I yeah. forgot. <laughs> I, I probably knew that at one point. Um, <laughs> but I, what, one, thing, one thing I like to do, what I used to like to do, uh, is... Uh, if I if I met some if we do you know, you're at like a party you do like YouTube you, everyone starts playing mm-hmm. like show funny videos on YouTube I would play them like 30 seconds of Check the OR because Tom Green used to be but a this rapper is a, this is a rap song yeah it's a, like a, a hit rap song that Tom Green had in Canada 
He was nominated. OR meaning uh, operating room? Organized Rhyme, which oh, is organized the name rhyme. of his group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so I, th- I think you were nominated for... Uh, yeah, we got nominated for a for the, Juno Award, a Juno which is like yeah. a Canadian Grammy. Yeah. So, so, so before uh, that, it was, he, it was a pretty big deal. So I would play in Ottawa. Play people thirty seconds of that, <laughs> and then no, in all Canada, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would play people thirty seconds of that, and then I'll play him the follow up of 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 Exhibit being on his uh, internet show that he had, yeah, uh, or ha- still has maybe on on uh, yeah. And, and anyway, so Exhibit was a guest on on a, on a show that he had. And and he's like maybe in the time where I'd like to do some rapping and then he was like I don't think you can do it and then uh, and then he's like really good and because nobody in America knows that he is a nominated rapper. By the way, speaking <laughs> of Canadian mu- the music scene in yeah. Canada, I just that was deviating just yeah. a little bit. Um, what do you guys think? There's a Canadian group that apparently is usually famous in Canada that no one knows here called the Tragically Hip. Yeah, yeah we love Tragically. Apparently hip. in Canada they're like the Beatles and Nana Muscuri rolled into one. Yeah, and and uh, their lead and their Slim lead, Whitman, their lead uh, singer just uh, passed away. Uh, cancer, uh, cancer recently, I, and there was a whole country was uh, rallied around the band. They did a final tour, and uh, it's it is kind of like uh, the Canadian, uh, you know, Beatles or something. You know, and you guys are both big fans. Yeah, I love the Tragedy Hip. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when I when I grew up, I I didn't like them at all. It was like I thought it was like like uh, whatever, like dad rock or whatever. Mm-hmm. But as I gotten older. If you're in like the Canadian woods, like on a boat, it's it, my, my very friend, nostalgic. The thing my, my, about it is, is it's so big. It's yeah. like kind of like if you're a rebellious kid and you're growing up wanting to be different. That's not what you're going to listen to because that was literally like when on everybody. the radio yeah. all day, yeah. every day. To tragically hip. But that being said, you know when they started out, they were the rebellious. I, band, I you know, you know my friend told me about them, and I was astounded that something so big in Canada could be unknown here. They were and, on SNL. Were they? Yes. Oh, they they, they had they had, they played on SNL, but they never blew. I tried no, to listen to a couple. There, she recommended Boy Cajun. I think was the name of the song, and one other song. Bob Cajun. Bob Cajun. Boy Cage. I tried to listen <laughs> and Trump song. That may be. Graham, I got to be honest. I I was struggling to to love them, you know, and I was like forcing like. Kind of like and a, I, I just I, w- do I would it. say you could say it's a sort of has a bit of a sound of like an REM sort of a southern rock southern yeah. alternative southern alternative rock sound. So if you like that kind of music, it has to be in your in the background of your life to sort of get in there. I think, and also you could say this thing about Bob Dylan. Bob Bob Dylan sounds terrible. If you just showed somebody Bob Dylan right now, they'd think, "Well, this is bad music." But it's not. It just takes a while to get in your. If head. you just had to be there, right? Yeah, you had to yeah. be there. Well, I'll give him another shot. Yeah. Um, because you know my parents are Canadian, so if it's in the blood, I should have it. But, <laughs> yeah. um, I was never that big of a fan of Elvis, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, so now, you know, your American music sucks too. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, no. I'm not saying your music sucks. I very much enjoy Rush, and uh, even Celine Dion has some good stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, guess who? And 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 the guess who? I met. As a matter of fact, I met uh, Burton Cummings right here at the Comedy Cellar. Oh my God! Now we're talking. The guess who? He was downstairs, yeah. and I said, "Who here is from Canada?" As I often do, and he said. Oh, I am he. I mean, he has the thickest Canadian accent ever. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't know who he was, but after the show, he introduced himself to me, and it was the the uh, legendary Burton Cummings from the Guess Who. I like Elvis, actually. I'm just kidding. Okay, okay. Uh, uh, but you don't have to. I don't want to hate on America. I just became an American citizen for the. I you know, just became an American citizen. Well, I'm very proud to be American. Gr- Graham's also newly American. I think I'm you not American. Gr- I'm, I'm a green card holder. Well, a green card I'm holder. I'm a legal alien. That's different. You're yeah. a legal alien. I was a green card holder for 15 years, though. Yeah, thank you. Well, I do. I, I did want to talk some a little bit about that. You guys are both new immigrants. After immigration is a huge issue now in the United States. What prompted? Well, Graham, you you what's going to, on with that? Graham, yeah. you wanted to live I heard here. Everything's fine. 
you wanted to live here mostly for career reasons. Is that why you're here? Yes. Yes, for career reasons. And 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 you and as freedom. Well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. good luck for that. It's the greatest country in the world. That's why people come here from all over the world, because it's the greatest country. Now, do you say that with some degree of sarcasm? No, I, I listen. Sarcasm? I, I, listen, it, it, this is a, a uh, thing that I think that sometimes people don't understand about Canada if you're American, right? When you grow up in Canada, let's say you grow up in Toronto, mm-hmm. and you turn on the TV at night. You're watching The Tonight Show. America's You're watching Day. Saturday Night Live. Yeah. You know, we grow up completely immersed in, unless, and, in and love American television. Unless you're French. Unless you're French, yeah. So if you're, if you're from Toronto, right, you probably aspire to move to New York City the same way that somebody from, yes. you know, yes. Cleveland would want to move to New York City. No I mean, one aspires to be the tragically hip. People you, from you, Toronto might not like me saying that. So if you're from Ottawa, okay, a smaller city... You look at New York as the center of the universe, the same way that somebody from Cleveland or somebody from Des Moines, Iowa would, right? So we don't, we don't sort of draw this line at the border like, oh, I can never go to New York and live my dream of being in show business, right? I mean, it's... it's, it's uh, but it's, aren't it, you it, guys it, appalled by our politics? Well, we'll get to that, uh, Perry. Well, we well, we're getting, getting Tom so finishing yeah. his thought yeah. about so, why so, Canadians come yeah. to America. So we come here because we are grow up and we watch Saturday Night Live, who, by yeah. the way, was created by a Canadian, Lorne Michaels. Yes. Thank you very by much. By the way, Lorne is uh, a name that if you ever meet somebody named Lorne... Yeah. He's Canadian. Yeah, and Saturday Night Live has been populated by so many Canadians. Some of the greatest cast members of Saturday Night Live have been Canadian. Martin Short, John Candy. You know, so there's so many incredible Canadians have passed through. Mike Myers, right? So, you know, Saturday Night Live is actually practically a Canadian show, if you don't mind me saying. So, you know, we, we, uh, we want to be on it. You know? we, Norm MacDonald is from Ottawa, right? So when I was yeah. a kid doing stand-up comedy in Ottawa, when I was, you know, like I said, 16 years old doing stand-up, and Norm MacDonald hadn't broken... In the U.S. yet, so he would come through. He's headlining act at Yuck Yucks. Norm, who's I think one of the greatest stand-ups ever to have done stand-up, right, would come through, and we'd be watching this, you know, 27-year-old Norm Macdonald just killing it and hey, being you know. weirder than and just doing things you'd never seen before, and being completely amazed by it. I mean, I feel very lucky to have been there in the room at Yuck Yucks. And apparently, he was part. always good. Like I talked to guys yeah. of your generation, saw him at Yuck Yucks. And yeah, like, he was always. That. It was there was an energy there that yeah. was just so exciting. So you ever get a lottery ticket, like buy a lottery ticket? Huh? <laughs> you ever get one somebody give you one as a present, like for Christmas or something like that? That's always a weird gift there, huh? I think that's the weirdest gift. Say so here you go. Nothing. <laughs> that's for me and you, there's nothing at all there. Cardboard I'm giving you this year. And you'd see him, and you'd, he was touring Canada, and then one day you'd hear, oh, Norm's writing for Roseanne now. He lives in Los Angeles. And your mind would sort of explode. You know, you're a kid in Ottawa doing, you know, doing open mic nights, and all of a sudden the guy who's the other Canadian guy, who's the biggest guy in Canada at the time, now he's living in Los Angeles. He's writing for Roseanne. Now he's on Saturday Night Live doing Weekend Update. So you automatically created in your head this idea that, oh, that's the dream, right? That is the dream, to do Saturday Night Live, right? So that's why. It's not like it's not like in Canada we have another Saturday Night Live that we all dream of doing. No, we want to do Saturday Night Live. Well, yeah. that, explains, that explains why you want to live in America and why you want to get a green card, but you recently became a citizen. 
which is taking it a step uh-huh, further. Sure, sure, yeah. So what's what's the reasoning there? Well, you know, I've been living here for, for 20 years. I, you know, I own a house in Los Angeles. For, uh, I, I pay tax, all my taxes here. I'd like to vote. I would like to be able to vote. Uh, I'd like to be able to take part of the political discourse. I, you know, I, I think it's when you're living in a society and you care about it, and uh, it sort of feels after a while, not voting for 20 years, and seeing things changing around you, you feel, geez, you know, I, I'd, I'd like to be able to, you know, to have a say here. So uh, that's part of the reason, I think. Yeah. Well, now we can get to Periel's point. Thank you. Well, because yeah. now it's appropriate yeah. <laughs> to get to Periel's point. Okay, Thank now you. you can vote. Graham cannot vote, but he can certainly... But I can get drafted. I can you? I didn't know that. That's insane. Yes. <laughs> that well, is yeah. so crazy. I can't. I'm too old. I, I, I don't I'm, know I'm anything. I'm probably too old too now. But <laughs> I don't I know. hurt my ankle. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> know that. Bone spurs. Yeah. On record. Yeah. But now that you are participating in the U.S., uh, you know, pol- uh, polity. You, 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 it, 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 of course, it, there, it is very frustrating in a way, but you can't let a politician take away your dream. You know, you, your dream is always hello, Namesh. Your, your dream, your dream, your, like 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 uh, like our friend here said, is like you you always your dream is always to be on SNL or whatever it is. I used to see comics on uh, on on Letterman. I'm like, I want to do that, and I'm not going to let uh, a politician who who doesn't care about me uh, destroy my dream. I go, oh well, he's there, so I guess I can't have my dream. I don't really care, like. I'll, you know, you you do what Tom does, and you 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 vote, or you do what you have to do to change the system. And and on the and the fact of the matter is, is um, it's hard being on top. America's a huge country. It's it's just difficult. It's there's a lot of there's inherent a lot of problems there. We're it's very easy for Canadians. Now I I play devil's advocate all the time. I'll go home and play and say what I'm about to say right now. But you know, my my parents don't, especially my mother, does not like that I'm here. She thinks I moved to a Poorer, violent country filled of it, filled with idiots. Like literally, she thinks that it's she's just, not wrong. It, well, she yes, is. She, she is. is wrong. We she put a man wrong. on the moon. We're not morons. She here. is wrong. This is this is this that's is not. I mean, that's not. That doesn't. We also mean invented anything. GPS. Okay, so there are some. Real, I mean, first of all, I think GPS was actually invented in no, Israel. No, no, GPS was invented in the United States. America. But I appreciate your 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 love of your. Uh, uh, Israeli heritage. I, 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 America, it, it is a great country, and there's, um, it's just, it's, it's easy to sit on our high horse in Canada, and just a small country. It's easier to control. We don't have uh, this huge population that you know, uh, four generations ago uh, were slaves. It's just, a, it's a lot. It's a lot to deal with, and and we don't have, we don't border on Mexico. You know, it's just, it's just a way easier. And then people look down on America. It's just like relax. I, I had a post on on uh, July first. That's uh, that's America Day, Tom. Yes. And and I and I said, uh, you know, America, you know, invented every single kind of music that we listen to uh, around the world, pop culture wise. Every single. And then the amount of flack I got. I'm like, this is a historical fact. They. they yeah, Mozart. Rock. No, pop music. Yeah, yeah, not, yeah, not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about I'm kidding, yeah. like yeah, jazz. It all came from jazz. K-pop is from America. It's like blues, goes the blues. back to America. Blues, yeah. rap, rock. Martha like, and all the everyone who America. is oppressed. Martha and the yeah. Muffins. Yes, Martha and the Muffins. Of course, is a Canadian band, but with Martha Amer- and remember the Martha and the Muffins? Well, I went to oh, summer camp muffins, yeah. in Canada years ago, in Montreal, north of Montreal, in Saint Agathe, and uh, they were playing a lot of Martha and the Muffins. But you know, just I could 
to respond to your question too, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, Peril never misses an opportunity to bash the United States. I'm not bashing I, it. I think it's really important to be say, critical. Uh, well, certainly, I, 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 I certainly uh, uh, am not doing that. I, what I'm saying is that um, I think that most Americans would be surprised that we have very divisive politics in Canada too. Yes, and we have right and left in Canada. It's called, and you hear it's the Republicans and 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 the Democrats in Canada. That's it's the conservatives and the liberals. Our Liberal Party is actually called the Liberal Party. That's how unashamed we are of being liberal. We actually call the party the Liberal Party, right? That's the party in power. So you know, it's, it was a very divisive election we just had in Canada. You know, out west, the conservatives Alberta, are the progressive conservatives. Yeah, yeah progressive. The, yeah. You know, I thought so, of something fun so, to so, do. So you come down here and you say, oh, it's it, it's really bad, the politics here right now. You know, the politics are really bad in Canada right now, too. You know, we do have uh, universal health care. There are, you know, there are some nice things about living in a uh, more of a socialist country, I admit, that I do miss. You know, I, I do miss, you know, it is interesting being here in the United States. And I have a lot of friends who are, you know, freelance cameramen or stand-up comedians or you know, not working for a major corporation with, you know, health care provided for them and they get sick and they don't want to go to the doctor. That's something like I've never had to even contemplate growing up in Canada. Like everybody had health care and nobody was worried about that. That's a nice thing. So, you know, there are some good things to, to be had, you know, uh, in Canada for sure. You know? But the United States, you're, you're, you're perfectly right. The United States is anything but a perfect country. But when it comes to just being cool, <laughs> I think you have to say that we're the top. You definitely, definitely think you are. Yeah, okay. like I mean, Canadian, uh, Canadians uh, are absolute. Uh, Americans are absolutely more confident than anyone else in the world, well, and they're also more have, have the ability to say a statement like the one you just made. Well, yeah. so other people kind of hold back. Like Canadians hold back. They don't really want to say we're the greatest country in the world, well, even though they I didn't say we're the greatest. Even though, I, they I might, even though they might think it, I didn't say we're the greatest. Or, I said we're the coolest. Or yeah, and, and and even if Canadians think they're the coolest. They wouldn't say it. No, but, but I, you now see. But okay, fair enough. But, but I think most Canadians probably think they're the coolest, but they wouldn't say it. Yes. But here's the thing. That's Tom. the difference. I don't say it as a brag because yeah. I'm perfectly. Uh, <laughs> I can perfectly accept the fact that I had nothing to do with it. Yeah. All the great things about America do not involve Dan Natterman. I definitely. So think I'm an outsider in that regard. I'm looking at 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 all the people that that created rock and roll. The yeah. the, the people that. Uh, invented so many of the things, you know, like GPS. I like a lot of the internet came from. I here. absolutely think that Americans are cooler than the Canadians if you go by the definition of what cool is in the dictionary. You know, leather jacket. You know, brill cream fonzie, in your hair, smoking a cigarette. You know, uh, you know that's definitely cool. Canadians, but if you know, if you were to say like, you know. If cool was like who's the best at like ice fishing for Northern Pike? Oh, well, then you guys. Have you know, it. if you hung out with a bunch of people that like were really into ice fishing for Northern Pike, who can drill the hole in the in in the lake quick 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 quicker than you know? You'd be like, man, you know, like, you know, Jean Claude, he's cooler than any American. Well, and I will <laughs> also say, when it comes to bagels and pickles, uh, our friends in the North have us yeah. beaten. Do you like Montreal bagels I better? love Montreal bagels. I think they're really and good, And I love too. Montreal pickles. I thought I'd do something fun. I, you know, this is something we normally don't do uh, here on Wait, the Wait, I just want to say one thing. Go because ahead, Periel. I feel like part of why <laughs> we're cool, though, if SNL is any example, is because we get people from other places. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah, like, absolutely. And well, I and I do think I will say this: every single yes, person who I know from Canada is really cool and 
and yeah, has see? something that we're like cool. Americans don't have. Yeah. Honestly, we're cool. See? Like they have some. <laughs> so, I don't know. They're less. Wait, but you meet the ones that come here. Perhaps yeah, that's it's, true. It's a self-selecting group. I, I get it. I get that a lot. When like when I was younger and traveling, a lot of backpackers would be like Canadians are so more. They're cooler. They they're are. Cooler. They really this is before are. Before I did comedy, minus that maple leaf, but yeah. I think it's pretty cool. I think we're less confident. And that, uh, I think you're less arrogant. And that can, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And that can be kind of interpreted as cool if you're hanging out with somebody who's if you are cool, a little more yeah. apologetic, right? Because you know, we're less of a threat, you know, when you're hanging out with somebody who's kind of Well, look, we have to apologetic. face facts. America is a hugely important player on the world stage. Yeah. You're very proud of America. Well, I mean, I'm going to wrap again, you in a I fucking American flag. Again, I say to you... I, I can tell, like, I mean, I, was, I wasn't expecting this to be, like, you know, like, the sort of, like, Helsinki summit here today or something. But again, like, I, like, I want to emphasize like that a, I had absolutely <laughs> nothing to do with <laughs> that. Yeah. So I'm not saying it as a brag. You are I would a pro- say you the are, same. You are a product of it, though. You're very proud. I'm proud, but, I'm but proud, again... By the way, I'm very proud American, I, too. I, you're I, a product. And, and Tom is American, by I'm the way. I'm very proud. He's American as a poutine. I'm a proud American. And is well on his way to becoming one. Much to his and I'm a proud dismay. Canadian. I'm a proud Canadian too. I would like dual citizen. Given given that, I thought it would be fun to something fun to do, which we normally wouldn't do and probably would not do if Noam were not here. But because the teacher is absent today, I thought we could maybe do something we wouldn't normally do. I would thought it'd be fun to have a little U.S. trivia to see what our new Americans. <laughs> one is a resident, but. Not quite a citizen yet, but maybe no. will be. With the other is a new citizen. No, if I, if I live, if I end up living here for that long, I, I I would suspect that I will become a citizen for the same reasons that that Tom. Well, I think it'd be fun to see what you guys know about a, a little trivia. Okay, if that sounds like something you'd be up for. Absolutely. Okay, so and Periel can play too, but I suspect Periel she is American, but she doesn't pay attention. So you're putting me on the spot here, huh? Well, I don't think so. Can I start by naming every president of the United well, States in order? Uh, well, then that, that's my first question is, okay. who was the third president of the United States? Okay. So here, I'll name them all, okay? George Washington, John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, James Monroe, John Quincy Adams, Andrew Jackson, Martin Van Buren, William Henry Harrison, John Tyler, James K. Polk, Zachary Taylor, Millard Fillmore, Franklin Pierce, uh, James Buchanan, Abraham Lincoln, Andrew Johnson... Ulysses S. Grant, Rutherford B. Hayes, John Tyler, Chester A. Arthur, uh, Benjamin Harrison, uh, no, Grover Cleveland, Benjamin Harrison, Grover Cleveland, William McKinley. uh, Well, I suppose uh, he's uh, right, you know, but I... Harry Truman, Theodore Roosevelt, William Howard Taft. Wait, no, Truman wasn't before Theodore Roosevelt. Uh, Sorry, you know, Herbert Hoover, sorry, Herbert Hoover, you're right, Herbert Hoover, uh, Theodore Roosevelt, William Howard Taft, Woodrow Wilson, Warren G. Harding, Calvin Coolidge, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, uh, Harry Truman, um, Dwight D. Eisenhower, John F. Kennedy, uh, Lyndon Johnson, Richard Nixon, Gerald Ford, uh, 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 Jimmy Carter, um, Ronald Reagan, George H.W. Bush, um, uh, George H.W. Bush, Bill Clinton, uh, uh, Barack Obama. I'd love it if you forgot Obama. Hillary Clinton. Well, I assume he's right, but I can't say for sure. Is Taft the one who was, that too, was, who was too fat? That was fucking insane. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Well, I mean, can we take a second to acknowledge that? That, I was, mean, that was insane. I, I def- 
Yeah. No, not one other single person on this block. Now, did you memorize that just for shits and giggles or because... In preparation for I the got show. A, I got a little carried away when I uh, studied for my citizenship okay. test. And I got really into kind well, of reading I, I about picked, American history. I picked history. the wrong guy to fuck with on American <laughs> I mean, history. That was yeah. insane. Oh, well, now, now ask me a bunch of questions I don't know the answer okay, to. Okay, what <laughs> major war... But. Uh, and maybe let let see if Graham knows. Is there knows a prize here? Sure. Sure, the, yeah. Well, the prize is the prize is that uh, we don't deport you. Okay. <laughs> what, what, what major war involving the United States started in 1846 and ended in 1848? Periel, do you know this one? I wasn't even paying attention to the what question. Major, I was just thinking about how I was going to get Spanish this to go American viral. War. That is not correct. Damn what, it. Periel, what, what was the question? What major war involving the United States started in 1846 and ended in 1848? The Civil War. Oh, Christ. Do you really believe it was the Civil War? Uh, Mexico? Did they fight Mexico? No, that's Mexico. Uh, Tom, you want to take a crack? Was it with France? No, and I think you know it was not with France. Mm. I it think, you're, I it think was, you're toying with it. It wasn't the Mexican-American War? That's what it was, and, oh. and Graham did allude to Yes, but I wanted to give, I wanted to give oh, okay. uh, Tom a chance. I thought he said the Mexican-American War. He right? said it, and I wanted to see if you knew it as well. Oh, okay. You said so it. you both get credit. You confused me because you said it wasn't that. So okay. Yeah, okay. So sometimes okay. if Red he guesses Harry. right, Classic I might American. I might not say anything at all. I believe the president at the time would have been uh, James K. Polk. Well, that might well be, but yeah. I'm not this sure. Is insane. <laughs> you, could just, you could have said any one of those weird. Yeah, middle Zachary ones. Taylor was a general in the Mexican-American War, and uh, and he was the next president. Also, uh, Robert E. Lee was in. He was involved there somehow. Yeah. What U.S. territory became a state on August 21st, 1959? No, Alaska. Hawaii? Hawaii. Oh, Hawaii. No, Alaska, Hawaii. I'd what import? No, Hawaii. Alaska's 18. It was, it, was, uh, it was Hawaii. It was Hawaii. I got that wow. right. Wow, that, that, that recently, huh? Very I recent. did not know that. That is wild stuff. Uh, David Letterman. Uh, <laughs> Johnny Carson just joined us. <laughs> what important document begins with the words, when in the course of human events? Steve, you want to sit down? Oh. Steve, could you get Steve uh, Perriel? He's coming in a minute. That'd be the Declaration of Independence? Do you concur? uh, What was the question? I was looking at you. What important document begins with the words, when in the course of human events? Sounds pornographic. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the only only famous American document I know is the Declaration of Independence. Uh, Do you concur? Uh, Whatever Tom said. It is indeed the Declaration of Independence. All right, all right. Okay, so we're not doing too bad. Doing very well. Yeah. not Periel, but but the Canadians are doing. I got well. Hawaii right. The American Civil War I ended in what year? Oh, jeez, I don't know. I don't know the actual 1865. year. 1865. 1865. Nice, Graham. 1865. Nice, good. Very good. Which of the following was not not one of the original thirteen colonies? Rhode Island, Georgia, Delaware, Maine, New Jersey, was not an original thirteen. Say colony. them again. Rhode Island. Uh huh. Georgia. Delaware. Georgia. Georgia. Maine and New Jersey. Georgia. 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 You're all wrong. (laughs) New Jersey. (laughs) It was Maine. Maine at the time was part of Massachusetts. Oh, okay. Now, did you know uh, all of this or did you just learn this? I I knew that Maine was not, but I didn't know it was part of Massachusetts. That is wild and wacky stuff. Jimmy Fallon. Uh, (laughs) Yes. Oh, wow. Do you do impressions in your act? No, I don't. I love a good impression. Yeah. <laughs> I love a good Regis impression. Any Regis impression, I'm there. I <laughs> sounded like, kind of like Regis. I love Regis. Uh, Carson yeah. sounds very similar to Regis. Yes. At old school, everyone in the 50s talked like that. Yeah, yeah that was a little regis uh, For some and reason, everyone in the 50s copied uh, the way they spoke. They like to talk from that part of their voice, because uh, we're all sheep. <laughs> <laughs> the Grand Canyon is located in what state? Arizona. 
Do you concur, Tom? Well, it's definitely in Arizona, but I, yeah, I, I think it might. Is it, it goes? Does it go into another state too, or is it just in Arizona? I'm gonna guess uh, Arizona. It's a trick and, question. And Arizona, New Mexico. It's, it's, one, it's one state. It's well, all the whole bowl, Arizona. The whole Arizona. hole is located. Certainly Arizona. The whole yeah. Arizona. The whole hole is Arizona, located yes. in, uh, in the great state of Arizona. Arizona. Yeah. Home of the Diamondbacks. But it's near Nevada, and if you go to Vegas, you can make a day trip. Absolutely. Maybe Tom, you'll be in Vegas. Before. The Comedy Cellar has a room in Vegas. If you're yes. ever there, I'm sure uh, they'd love, to, love to have you. I was just there a few weeks ago in, at the at the Plaza in Vegas, but uh, I want to do the cellar next. That'd be great. What is the tallest mountain in the continental United States? Mount Washington. In Not Mount McKinley? Mount McKinley is in Alaska. Oh, continental. continental. Oh, Mount Rainier. Oh. Uh, it's Mount Whitney in oh. California. Oh, okay. Really? Actually, California? Yeah, I didn't know that one. That was the one of these I didn't know. Yeah, I did not know that. I can name all the presidents. Can I do that again? <laughs> Will you do that again? <laughs> well, I'd like to just have a special show where all you do is name the president. I've also been to every state. Well, that's something I haven't done. Yeah. And I assure you, Perry Al hasn't. But I, de- I can tell you one thing. He looks, I, I, he looks I don't, down on I, most I don't think I could name all the state capitals, that's for sure. I don't really know them. So. Besides Idaho, Montana, and Montana, besides Idaho and Montana, mm-hmm. what U.S. state borders the Canadian province of British Columbia, besides Idaho and Montana? Washington. Washington, yeah. Perry Al, any, any thoughts? Wash- obviously, Washington. I was expecting you guys to really um, not know as much as you do. Uh, you were so, I like how you look at me when you Canadians? say that. The Canadian. Uh, no, he I'm, just looked at me. He was just expecting me not to know anything. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, well, that I was expecting. <laughs> Never <laughs> underestimate a strong public education system. What you know? famous <laughs> Supreme Court case decided in 1954? Now, if you know it already, don't hesitate. No, tell us what it does. Uh, Declared that racial segregation in U.S. public Alfred schools. Board of Education. Hey. Thank, Thank you, you yeah. Jim, Jim Norton. Norton. <laughs> how are you, man? Uh, <laughs> declared that racial segregation in U.S. public schools was, was gonna, unconstitutional. Jim Proffitt. Sure it's not his, Jim Crow? Uh, well, uh, well, I said Roe v. Wade. No, no, no. Sorry, I didn't I was the, the question. 70s. I was excited to say uh, hi to Jim Norton. Does Jim want to come hang out with us? we got a microphone here. Well, he's he might, but we're waiting for Steve to come he over. He often does. Well, he can have my mic. You want me to see if Jim wants to come? He, he pops by. What, yeah. what famous Supreme Court case in 1954 declared racial segregation unconstitutional? Jim gave his answer. I'd like to hear yours now. Uh, the, I, what was the name of the case? The name of the case. A famous Supreme Court case. Oh, I don't know. I think it is Brown. Did, you hear, did you hear what Jim said? Uh, Steve is here. Steve, um, what famous Supreme Court case in 1954 declared racial segregation Oh, that was Anderson versus Cooper. <laughs> Brown versus Board of Education was correct. Jim is correct. We just did a little bit. We, I gave some trivia to see how much our Canadian friends know about uh, America, and they did pretty well. Oh, pretty good. They, they know One thing is we, did, we studying American history in school was an elective in high school, so we had to study Canadian history. We had to study Canadian history, but we didn't actually have to study American history. I never actually studied American history in it, school. It soaks, it soaks in well, there watching a lot of American TV. Well, this yeah. was not just history, but I quizzed them also on geography. Yeah. And um, What do you know about Canada? And uh, jurisprudence. Yeah. Well, I know quite a few things about Canada. Do they have Quite a, a few things indeed. Yeah. What's your, the name your, of the your, king? Uh, your, your, your parents live in Montreal. My, they, do, they do not. They moved to the United States oh. where I was born right from here. Montreal. In the, yeah, from Montreal. From Montreal. Tu parles français. Oui, oui. A, uh, he does speak French. Canadian Francaise. To a Franco Ontarian. No, pas du tout. No, petit peu. Uh, no. Pas français. <laughs> Merci. Oui. 
oui, mais pas parfaitement. Mais je ne veux pas faire tout le podcast en français. Ça mais serait pas, uh, très intéressant pour les uh, auditeurs. Dan, Dan, uh, you, uh, yeah, you did comedy in I Paris, done, in, uh, all in and French. And I also uh -huh, did in Montreal. Uh -huh. uh -huh. Steve, welcome. That's amazing. Thank I you. went, I went to Paris last year, and uh, every he was the talk of the town. Nice. He's like, do you know Dan Natterman? Yeah. <laughs> That's Natterman. Yeah. Well, I was you like, know, I do know. He's like, he's very good. We. Oui. <laughs> nice. I nice. was going to. I was trying to do. I wanted to do. My goal was to do an hour in French. Uh huh. Uh, because I figured that would be interesting. Here in yeah. America, I'm another comedian. I'd like uh. to think I'm unique, but. How unique am I? Uh -huh. If I went to France and did it in English, uh -huh. I'd be very unique. I've actually wanted to try to translate. I was telling you I want to try to translate right, you were telling me stuff that. into French. Slight problem. Yeah. Slight problem. I get I got so sickeningly nervous yeah. every time I did comedy in French that it just, I felt, there's no way I can do an hour in, in uh -huh. French. Uh -huh. you yeah, know? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and maybe you're, you're probably less neurotic than I am, so maybe for you it would work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I was going to kind of do it in a way where I was sort of mocking the fact that I wasn't really able to speak French, so I was going to kind of have fun but with But for a whole hour? Yeah, well, but then I, I would sort of s be able to slip in and out of that sort of that sort of idea, you know? So I would be kind of being silly with my French, but at the same time, speaking pretty good French, but clearly not attempting to make anyone believe that I'm fluent. <laughs> yeah. Well, that might be one way to approach it. While being fluent. Right. You know? Yeah, well, yeah. So I that's kind of like... You know. I would still be horrifically nervous, and I'm, I'm nervous even in English. I have yeah. to be honest. The truth is I'd like nothing more than to stop doing stand-up and just uh, maybe mm. just, you know, uh, do other things, be it acting, writing. I'm working on a novel, mm. Uh, mm. for example. You're a good actor. Well, I've been accused of that. <laughs> um, uh, Judd Apatow uses me, crashing, you know, in small yeah. roles. You're good in crashing. But stand-up makes me terribly nervous. Yeah. Uh, it should. But, but it's good to get nervous before you get on stage. But I think that anytime you don't get nervous before you go on stage, you're going to bomb. But a little bit of nerves, not so much nerves yeah. that it just ruins not just your whole day, but your whole week. It's got to learn you how to cha nervous? just channel that. Channel that energy into the performance. Graham, I do. You've been doing it like 20 years, probably. It's getting worse. Really? <laughs> but you have less to uh, live for, so who cares? You mean less time yes. left to live? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I've been, I've been, I've been I, thinking about that a lot myself, actually. Yeah. The older I get, the less stressed I am because there's so much less of my life to ruin. Well, well, but you had, can I talk about briefly, you had a health issue I many did, yeah. years I'm ago. A you, you're a cancer survivor. I had Prostic testicular cancer. Testicular. It took my right testicle. I still have the left one. It's well, the middle one now. You're not the only one. <laughs> you're not the only stellar comedian, by the way, uh, with that issue. Uh, Des Bishop's also missing a testicle. He talked about that right here yeah. on our, our Richard podcast. Belzer as well. Yeah. He doesn't work here, but yes, he is missing a testicle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> missing a testicle. Uh, yeah. Hitler, they say, was missing a testicle. Yeah. A micropenis, yeah. they said. Oh, I didn't know about that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, so you're a survivor. You, you have completely <laughs> cancer-free now for 20 years. Joking. Everything's fine. What's yeah. that? Everything's fine with me. You're cancer-free now for 20 years? Uh, yes, I am. Absolutely, yeah. Happy to, happy to say I'm cancer-free. You know, the good thing about testicular cancer is it's high, very curable if you get it early, and I got it early, so uh, it's, you know, completely... But you got it very early. You're only, like, 25. Yeah, and I mean... I mean, as caught, far as you mean caught it early. Caught it early, yeah. Caught it early. I identify... I think my paranoia helped me a lot. I think that's a good thing about, A, being nervous or being paranoid. Nervousness is actually there for a reason, right? You're there, it, 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 it's making you prepare for your stand-up set or go to the doctor when you feel something wrong with your testicle, you know? You're a hypochondriac. If I, if I had been less of a hypochondriac, I might have sat around and waited for a year and then I'd be dead. So I always tell people, 
you know, whenever I talk about this, that if you ever feel like something's wrong, you should go to the hospital right away. And that's kind of what I feel like is great about having universal health care system, yeah. not to get back into the politics. Preventative when medicine. When you know that you have coverage, you know, you'll go for every little thing just to get checked up. You won't wait, and then it could save your life. I, uh, last week, I, I felt a bump on my skull, but it's gone away. I think I just hit my head. Yeah. But I do have a suspicious-looking mark on my finger. Tom, what do you make of this? It's a, he's <laughs> a, so I know you're not a doctor. Where is it? Where is it's it? on this Damn. finger. It looks like a mole, but it's kind of red. He's a comedian, oh. not a doctor. It's uh, too much masturbating. Yeah. Well, what are the indications, too much. Tom? What are the indications that uh, there was something wrong? Like, what are people? No, I just I felt some pain. But I don't want to hear the symptoms dull. because then I'll get the symptoms. I tend to get whatever symptom you're talking about. My doctor okay. said that it, you, it, your testicle should feel like a smooth, hard-boiled egg. Well, your testicle—you uh. should, you should not feel your. <laughs> it's a bump. That's bad. Yeah. I don't touch my testicles because I'm afraid I might find a bump there. Yeah. But that's well, the that's, wrong that's actually the opposite I'm of what you should do. Neither I'm like an ostrich burying my head in the sand. Yeah, the opposite of what you should do. What you should do is you should be, you know, very vigilant with your health, looking for. But, I mean, it can, it can go too far in, in reverse, right? Like, I'm also now, I've become extremely paranoid since that happened. You know, I'm all, every little thing, I run to the doctor now, you know, any little thing, you know, because I just kind of want to get well, it early. So we're know? back to your microphallus, any little thing. <laughs> yes, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Steve, are you a, uh, would you characterize yourself as a hypochondriac? No, no. I'm not. Okay, that's I it. never get sick. But you don't have to get sick. The hypochondriac often doesn't get sick. Interesting. The hypochondriac. No, I, I think I don't. That's not true. I, I'm a hypochondriac. I'm constantly washing my hands, and my my body hasn't built up any uh, re resistance to any well, germs. I'm, all, I'm I'm sick quite a bit. Uh, you're, you're, I constantly think I have. Uh, uh, like if, if, if I I've never had bed bugs, but one time I thought I had bed bugs, and I threw all my stuff out, <laughs> and I moved. <laughs> that's true. And I put everything through the dryer. What was it though? I had my. Uh, I went to a dermatologist and said I had winter itch. I just need to use moisturizer. Wait, so you oh. threw everything out? All like pics, rare pics, like pictures I'll never get back, and and books, yeah. uh, anything that couldn't go through a a, a, a dryer on high heat. It's so nuts. Winter uh, itch is the Canadian term for chlamydia. I, had, uh, <laughs> I was ravaged by chlamydia. <laughs> so I threw everything in a dryer. Steve. Yeah. Um, yes. It's getting a little a different topic, but you, you did you have you seen Tom stand up here at the cellar? Yeah, he's fantastic. I look forward to it. I think he's performing Thank tonight. You. I said to him, I'm like... How, how would you characterize I, it? I said to Tom the first thing, I'm like, uh, for sure I thought you were going to suck. And he goes, <laughs> really? Did he really say that to you? He, 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 he goes, yeah. really? Why? People have low expectations. Go, I think it's kind of relating to what you were saying at the beginning of the show, because people, if they know someone from a television show before they know them from stand-up, then they assume they're, they're just doing stand-up because so they had a TV so, show. So Tom says to me, why would you think that? I'm like, well, first of all, you're Canadian. <laughs> Secondly, you live racist. in L.A. But, of course, Canadians are very often... I mean, well, Would you say that Norm Macdonald is, is a great stand-up? There are, of course, exceptions. Uh, of course, so he's Canadian. Right? He's, I think we he's disproportionately great. dominated. And yeah. William Shatner's funny. Yeah. They say... Uh, American, Rich Little. Rich, Rich Little. Rich Little. Uh, they're off, though, he's also from Ottawa, by the way. Yeah. Ali um, Mandel. Yeah. Dan Aykroyd's yeah. from outside You're Ottawa. You're talking stand-up now. Yeah. You've got Jeremy Hotz, amazing mm -hmm. uh, Canadian stand-up. Oh, I know him. Yeah, yeah. Jeremy Hotz. He's like, he yeah. talks like... Yeah. So, so you, because from Ottawa as well. He was he's one of the comics that we grew up watching but was I, I, Jeremy Hotz. Yeah. This is what I, I heard once. Yeah. I didn't invent this, but American stand-up is dominated by... John Doerr, amazing. By Canadian Jewish Canadian. people, black people, and Canadians. Because it helps to be an, uh, an outsider who's also an insider. Or an outsider, in the case of That's Canadians. That's right, you got it. Um, so you, you thought he was going to suck. And then, 
And uh, it's, it turns out um, he was great. He was. Wh- I could tell he, he was comfortable. He had a you know he had his thing down, and he was he was just he was a pro. Tom's been doing, doing sold out the Pittsburgh yeah. Improv last what, what weekend. Kind of, now your All comedy, five shows. And I imagine your comedy. All five shows sold out. Is Not your comedy a seat empty in the house? What's your comedy like? Is it is it quirky kind of one liners? Uh, you know what? What's it like? Listen, I, t- I, I, I have sort of a combination of of uh, one-liners mixed with some social commentary, mixed with some self-reflection, self-deprecating humor. Uh, you know, lots. And you of, close with the president bit. I do talk a little bit about that because yeah. I do know the president of the United States personally because he fired me on The Celebrity Apprentice. Amazing. Which is a gift that keeps on giving when you're doing what stand-up, season? especially right now. But uh, you know, uh, yeah. I, so I, I have a, a mixture of different things I do, you know, because I, I you know, I, I do like to talk about the world that we're living in, and uh, a lot about our addiction to technology, a lot about our addiction to social media, and and our cell phones and things like this, which I think is something that really is personally irritating to me, because I was always always very into technology. You know, I started, for instance, we're doing a podcast now, and he was talking about that show that I did with where I was rapping with Exhibit. That was on a TV studio that I built in my living room in 2003, right, with cameras, and it was a full-on streaming internet show, which, you know, was, you know, kind of one of the first podcasts, right? There was nobody, nobody had broadband at the time, so it was kind of a right. silly time to do it, but I was excited about doing it. So I'm, like, really into technology. You know, I started my website in 1996, you know, when I was doing my public access show. I started TomGreen.com in 1996. I've been having people, like, coming at me online in the comments sections, you know, for, you know, for over 20 years, 23 years now. And so I kind of feel like I kind of identified some of the pitfalls of technology and social media, maybe a little bit before your average person. And uh, so, you know, I've been uh, finding that an, an interesting subject. Well, social media is, is, yeah, I mean, I think Instagram is, of all the social media, uh, one that I find the most um, useless. Yeah. You know, Twitter. I, I, Twitter can be hostile and mean, but uh-huh. you can also learn a lot. Yeah. And Facebook. I, I have debates with people on Facebook all the time and exchanges and, and learn things. Uh, Instagram is mostly, it seems to me, just about look at me. Yeah. Aren't I pretty? Yeah. yeah. Or here's here's what I'm having for lunch. It's also the least uh, you have the least chance of getting into a debate, which is why it's the most popular because I think it's like candy. Yeah. It, it is. It is yeah. the least hostile. Just mean it's the greatest. I, I mean, I. I but it's just a it's lot. Of, you know, it's just a lot of. People looking for compliments, looking to be told how cute they are. Or... You know, people talk about how divided the country is right now and how divided we are politically. And I, I really think, you know, yeah, sure, of course, you know. Sorry, you know, Rob, I, I got it. Graham has to go to another club. And, and oh, here at the Comedy sorry. Cellar, we don't mind that. You Graham, can, great you, seeing you, man. Uh, yeah, you can even awesome. name the club. It's the New yeah. York Comedy Club. That's how confident the Comedy no, Cellar is. don't say that. <laughs> I'll be back at, at uh, the Comedy Cellar tonight in, to do a We'll a see you later. And, 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 uh, awesome. Can Thanks, I, man. That was a, a on my great part a wonderful um, me. call that I made to ha- ask Graham to come. Yeah, that was great. Give me a shout tomorrow. I'll, I'll, I'll see you later. Okay. And thanks. they even have each other's phone numbers. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. wow. Yeah, no, for sure. No, Graham's. Okay, great. so what were we talking about? Social media. I was just saying that, like, I think that you know people maybe haven't given enough attention to the fact that you know maybe the reason why we are so divided right now isn't necessarily just due to you know the inflammatory rhetoric of our current president. But it also is due to the fact that we're all able to anonymously criticize one another online and, 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 and get 
very embedded in our opinions. And on places like Facebook, if you hear about like you know Cambridge Analytica, how it's we're being fed our own personal opinions and being reinforced by our own personal opinions, you know, to the point that we don't hear other opinions. You know, back in the you know 70s and 80s, and you grow up listening to Walter Cronkite deliver the news. That would be your source of information. It would be coming from a balanced, hopefully, place, right? Whereas now you're just getting these sort of extreme, extreme opinions on both sides. People are now entrenched in their beliefs, and they have a forum to just go talk shit to each other. And so when they get out in public and, and run into someone who disagrees with them, they're just much more likely to get into a big beef, you know, whereas, whereas we used to kind of be able to be a little bit more civil with well, each I think, other. I think a follow-up question is, is are we as divided as social media might lead us to think we are? I think so. That well, yes and no. On certain Judging issues, yes. By the, the just the sort of the rhetoric. But from social it. media does give us, I think, a deformed view of how pe- what people are thinking. We hear the loudest, we hear the most vehement, strident voices on social media. Yeah, sure. And we tend to think that everybody. Yeah. Uh, to, to, to name an example, we've talked about on this show that's very personal to the comedy seller. When Louis C.K. was coming back to do stand-up, we heard a lot of very, very. Uh, vocal people that thought that he should not come back, that he has no right to come back and do stand-up. And when he came here, we didn't we didn't see that. What we saw were uh, mostly people that were very welcoming yeah. to him, and we didn't expect that given what we were reading on Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. People, that's that's sort of what I'm saying is we're just sitting there online, just saying everything that we can possibly think, and being and drawn you, into these arguments. And you know, I do think it does. Somehow, maybe reflect itself in the real world later, but but I agree with what you're saying. Yes, absolutely. Well, you're on Twitter. What do you use it for mainly? Just to promote your uh, your uh, shows and so on? Uh, I do. I do like to tweet out thoughts and ideas, and then I also do it to promote my shows as well. So I, you know, if I, but uh, you know, lots. I put I try out jokes on there, uh, but. Uh, yeah, that's sort of a mixture of things. I like also like photography. So, you know, Instagram and Twitter, I like to take photos when I'm traveling around the world and I like to post my photos and stuff like that. So, yeah. Well, I didn't, you know, Instagram, I was uh, trashing it, but I'm sure that you put it to good use. I, I, you know, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy photography. So I actually, actually I'm really into uh, shooting film right now. So I got an old Leica camera that, I, that I've been going out and filming, uh, shooting, uh, you know, pictures and... And, uh, but, uh, yeah, I like Instagram. I do. I do. I, I, I like it to the point that I use it too much. I'm definitely addicted to it. And it's something that I actually have some sort of concern about now. Like, I'm 48 years old, and I'll look at my screen. You know that screen time on your phone? It'll be noon, and some days I'll look at that, and it says, you've been on your phone for six and a half hours, you know? And it's noon, right? Mm-hmm. So I have a sort of an unhealthy sort of thing with that, you know, where I'll wake up in the morning and before I've even sort of, right, you know, you know, know where I am, I'll have my phone in my hand and I'll be reading comments on this thing. So I'm actually thinking about getting a flip phone um, and uh, getting rid of my smartphone and trying to come up with a new way of, uh, of uh, living life. Cause well, I, think I mean, that it is interesting. I survived 40 years without a smartphone yeah. and didn't bother me at all. And now yeah. if you take it away yeah. for 10 minutes, I mean, if I go on a plane ride, you know, I, I have to go on Wi-Fi right away because I can't stand being, you know, on a three-hour plane ride without the Internet. I think the media companies... And it's an addiction, no question about it. I think the media companies that are, you know, profiting off of the advertising... The, 
all major corporations are using it for advertising, right? They're like a little hesitant to actually maybe do some real studies about what it really is doing to our brain. I mean, it is a dopamine addiction, right? Like when you see something that you like, you know, whether it's a picture or a video or a comment or somebody says something nice to you, you have a dopamine rush in your brain and now you have you keep going back to your texts and your phone to get that that dopamine rush that you're, you're not aware of that's why you're doing it but that's why you're doing it that's why when you turn your phone off for 10 minutes you feel those nervous that nervous uh, reaction so I think it's a physical addiction and I think probably uh, it's probably going to be a thing where I would say in you know 50 years, they're going to look back at this time the way we look back at cigarettes. You know, remember they used to have ads for mm. cigarettes? It's the healthy smoke, Philip Morris. You know, I think they're going to look back at this time and think, wow, that's crazy how we were putting every picture of ourselves on the Internet, giving up our privacy the way we are. I think people are going to think. Well, we I don't know nuts. that I'll be here in 50 years to verify. Yeah the accuracy of your statement. I think possibly even in 20. Well, that, that I, I hope to be here in 20. Yeah, I, I hope you're here too in 20 well, years. Well, I hope to be. hope we can do another podcast in 20 years. Well, it's a date. Perry, I'll put that down on the calendar. <laughs> Stephen, do you have any uh, questions for, uh, for our, yeah, yeah, for our um, guest, uh, Tom Green? So, Tom, your show, uh, the Tom Green show no, we did started... discuss it already, oh, so I'm I don't want to repeat shit, but... If, it went, you went from public access in yeah, Canada. Yeah, we, we all yeah. we did discuss that. Uh, yeah. And then MTV picked it up. Yes, absolutely. I sent them tapes, and uh, and uh, you know that was uh, honestly that was the most exciting sort of thing that really I could say ever really you know that year of my life was just probably the most incredibly exciting. It must thing have been. Well, you that went happened. from from zero you know, to you know I, I had supersonic. Been, I had been living in my parents' basement. I had been working on radio shows and stand up and editing music and doing all these things for 10 years, you know. Never made a dime, mm-hmm. you know, in Canada doing it. It was always voluntary. Do they have and, dimes in Canada? They do. They do. They have them. They've got uh, the blue nose on it, which is a schooner. And they call it a dime? It's called a dime, absolutely. Oh, okay, okay. It's called a dime. Well, they also and, have the loon. Uh, yeah, we, we, have, we have the loony, which is our dollar, dollar coin. coin. and the toonie. So, Tom, what was the level of fame that you encountered in public access back then when you were a kid? It was a local cult following. So we had kids in, in Ottawa would come down to the show, right. and it was sort of a local thing. And I was telling them earlier, I had this, this record that I had out, too, with this rap group that I was in. That was a, that was a known thing. So there was, there was a small, but it wasn't the same. It wasn't like being on MTV, which was a mainstream, very commercial, you know, popular channel, right? But, you know, outside of that, like, just, just you know, when MTV picked up the show, it was very exciting because, you know, first of all, they moved myself and two of my friends who worked on the show with me, that we wrote the show together, moved us to New York City. They got us all apartments. You know, we had an apart- I had an apartment in Midtown, you know, on 52nd Street, across the street from the office, you know. And uh, it was, you know, a pretty sweet way to move to New York, you know. All, everything you was were very cut- young. And yeah, I was, I was 28 years old when the So show you were in the up. prime... Uh, you're, uh, I mean, even before your prime. I think for for men, thirty five is our is our is our prime. So I got to yeah. you. So, yeah. Yeah, that's when that's when uh, I think we look our best. And I'll tell you the craziest <laughs> thing about it was the show went on the air, and it it really did spark. It did make uh, some sort of a connection with the audience that it really became a very popular show on MTV it was one of their number one rated shows. Just without getting into details, and this, believe me, this is we don't we're not a scandal. Podcast. We're not, uh, you know, uh, into. Um, I'll tell you. Just, just finish I this d- thought, though. Yeah. The most exciting thing that happened to me, I would say, in my life in this business, 
uh, was within two weeks of the show being on the air, we got a call from Letterman, and Letterman wanted me to come on the show as a guest. This was somebody I'd grown up, you know, Letterman I'd grown up idolizing since I was, you know, 13 years old. And now, you know, and Paul here Schaefer. I was. Yeah, and Paul Schaefer. Well, I, Canadian, I also did Another Canadian. And here I was, times. 28 years old, in and living in New York. You know, I'd been living in New York for a few months, but the show had been on the air for two weeks. And all of a sudden, I'm walking out onto the Letterman set, and it was just the most out-of-body experience that, that I had ever really felt. Can we, can we even talk about the 1990s without talking about Tom Green? We now talk was, about grunge music. So it was 1999 the show premiered on MTV. So people always, uh, this is, I think, an interesting thing. that uh, I feel like in some ways I feel like I've kind of missed out on this whole 90s nostalgia thing because I was so close to the edge and that people sort of, when they remember the 90s, they kind of overlook my show because it was sort of 99, 2000. Was it the 2000s? Was it the 90s? I don't know. Well, so. but the early 2000s were also kind of like the 90s. Grunge yeah. music was still a thing. Yeah, yeah I just and was, it was on the cusp of the 2000s. And it was pre... It was pre-everybody had the internet and everybody had smartphones. What, yep. I, what I was going to ask you uh, is just very briefly, did you take sexual advantage of your fame at that time? No, no. I mean, I mean, I was... Honestly, the thing about me is I'm, like... I was pretty, like, uh, driven about the show. Mm -hmm. I mean, I my entire life was sort of revolving around, you know, this show. You know, we were writing, and we were just we were just all day working on that. You know, no, I mean, uh, you know, uh, so no, not advantage. No, I mean, I've had girlfriends and stuff. You know, right? You didn't yeah. go crazy, is what I'm saying. No, no, it okay. was busy. Well, um, Periel, you you're looking at me like maybe I shouldn't have asked that. No, 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 no. I was just thinking, you know, get distracted by. Um... Well, a lot of people go down that uh, down that road. What were your parents thinking when you blew up like that? Like, what? They couldn't believe it, right? Um, you know, they were really happy that I moved out of the basement, that I wasn't asking them for money anymore. Amazing. You were getting a paycheck. Uh, they, were, they were proud of me, and uh, they were happy that they, you know, because they were very worried about me for, you know, those 10 years. I was, remember, I was 28, so that's kind of like... Getting up there. Well, you know? getting up there. I'm 50, and I haven't even accomplished what you've accomplished. I know, but my parents. If, if I'm not talking about show business, I'm yeah. talking about if there was oh, to, no to be show in the basement. Business. To be in the basement. Yeah, I was in the basement. If there was no show business, then I wasn't gonna. You know, at 28, I'm not gonna be a lawyer or a doctor or something. You know, so it's like, you know, what is my recourse at that point? You know, I, I, I didn't go to university, right? I studied broadcasting. I didn't go get a degree. You know, I got a diploma in television broadcasting. So. You know, if there was there was really no plan B for me at that point. Well, what do you think would have become of you had that all not happened? I'd probably be making peanut butter parfaits at Dairy Queen right now. Well, I'm going to tell you what you, well, you, <laughs> you might or might not be making peanut butter parfaits, but if you were a stand-up and a good one, according to Steve... Yeah. Well, I consider stand-up. I consider stand-up. I put that in the same category, right? I consider, well, for example, like, I, like, see, this is the thing that maybe you don't really see the same way as me, but, you know, I consider the TV show was stand-up. Mm -hmm. You know, I was doing a monologue on the right. show. I was writing it. I was editing. I was creating comedy, right? So I was, like, sitting, you know, there create, creating a television show. You know, so, you know, you don't, like, you know, you don't, uh, I don't discount that as something that was part of my stand-up experience. But the thing here. about stand-up is, 
Like, I what? don't look at it like the, the, the 10 years Seinfeld was right. doing Seinfeld. He wasn't a stand-up, you know? He was making a TV show, right. you know? And but the he thing about stand-up Did he is... come back to stand-up after Seinfeld, you know? No, he was always a stand-up. And, but the thing is, yeah. is that, that what happened to you with the, the phenomenon that was Tom Green at that time uh, was, uh, doesn't happen to many people. But stand-up is a way that many people do make a living. In terms of your parents being worried about your future, we know many, many, many people that if they're good at stand-up, and Steve indicates that you are... And then they get a TV show, and then the TV show's big, and then they well, start doing stand-up not, again, and people say, oh, when did you start doing stand-up? Well, you, I always did it, but usually I just not, did that TV show for 10 years in the middle there. Usually what happens is we just, people like myself, do stand-up, and we, we do okay. I think you know? most people that and, and anybody that's good at stand-up that I know makes a living at it. So, yeah. so that's what I'm getting right, at. Right, but yeah, Tom, yeah. not everybody becomes a good stand-up after your kind of type of situation, even yeah. no matter how unique it was. Not everybody can make that transition into But he's saying far. it wasn't a transition because he was a stand-up for in, the, in, his own, in his own mind, it was like that. Uh, yeah, I but guess I'm just saying... being a room like, full of people with a microphone is a different animal. Yeah, yeah. Now, what I'm saying is what would have happened to you, I think, is you would have been a stand-up like Graham, like me, and you would have been making, you know, you've been doing okay. Yeah, well, that would be good, too. That, that, or, that was the dream for me. Or, I mean, when or I was a peanut kid, butter parfait. When I was a kid at Yuck Yucks, watching Norm and Harland and Jeremy Hotz and uh, all of these great Canadian stand-up comedians come through who hadn't made it yet, like I said earlier, and then all of a sudden they made it. You know, but before they made it, my dream was like, oh my God, how cool would that be to be going to Edmonton next weekend to perform at Yuck Yucks, to be on the Canadian headlining circuit? You know, I was like 16 years old going, man, to be able to, you know, walk in here. And I remember we, we used to do these... Yuck Yucks was really amazing. You know, Mark Breslin is an amazing, uh, you know, uh, person who's really brought so much talent out in the world. You know, Jim Car Carey started at Yuck Yucks, right, um, in, in Toronto, and was given this, this time to perform and this stage time. When I was a kid in the Ottawa Yuck Yucks, they would have, on Saturdays, they would have a comedy workshop. So all of us, I was the youngest stand-up. I was like, like literally 15 and 16, 17, 18 years old when I was doing it. The other guys were in their 20s, you know. And they would have a workshop on... They called me Little Tommy Green from down the street. The other comics. That was their little name for me. And they would have a comedy workshop on Saturdays. And you could go into the club on Saturday afternoon during the day. And the headliner was invited to come in. Sometimes he would come in. So Mike McDonald, also from Ottawa, I don't know if you know, uh, Mike McDonald passed away recently with a great Canadian stand-up comedian. Him or Harland Williams would come in and they'd sit down with the, the open micers and you'd have a comedy workshop. I remember Harland came in when I, was, when I was a kid. He was probably, you know, in his early 20s. He came in. It was a summertime. He showed up in a fur coat. He was like always like completely like off the wall, right? And I just sort of look at him and I go like, here's this guy who's just doing hilarious stuff and he's teaching us and he's giving us his, his feedback on our jokes and giving us ideas, and then tomorrow he's going to be getting on a plane and he's going to be flying to Winnipeg to do stand-up and he's getting paid to do it. How cool is that? Is a cool, that is the dream, you know? So, so now, like, the last 10 years, you know, I've been you know, performing every weekend in clubs all over the world. But you actually started at, like, 15? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I had no idea that yeah. you started that young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. I thought it was way I think after that. Chappelle and like Eddie Murphy, a few yeah. people started that young. Yeah. Louis C.K. was about 17. Yeah. That's a little younger than I was 23. That's yeah. that's a little younger than I think most maybe people. Maybe it was started. probably like my late 15, early 16 is when I started. That's unbelievably yeah, so, so, young. Yeah. Especially yeah, yeah. for back then. Yeah. 
And uh, so we were lucky. We were lucky that you know they let they let us on stage. I would go I, when I discovered the comedy club. We would go down, and we actually Howard Wagman, who runs the Yuck Yucks in Ottawa, still mm-hmm. has been there since I was a kid. Put me on stage for the first time when I was a kid. He still the still runs the club there. Was um, actually uh, you know he. He tells this story a lot, but we would go down when we were in high school to the club. I think we thought it was cool because for some reason, like when we were teenagers, we were able to go to the comedy club, but it felt like you were at a bar. But for some reason, we were able to go. It was in the basement of this this hotel called the Beacon Arms Hotel, and uh, we were able to go. And uh, so it felt very like a very adult thing to do that for some reason they were we were able to go. I'm not, I might have been a little bit of a fudging of the rules back in the 80s there. They might have been able to get away with that. Or maybe they had a restaurant license. I can't remember exactly, but we were able to go. So I remember when we were there, we would go and we would actually, because we were mischievous and somewhat, uh, I don't know, shit disturber kids, we would go and heckle, okay? We would go to heckle the comics. And we would do these weird heckles. We'd all sit in the, the front row beside each other, you know, We'd all sit and we'd all put our hands on our face. We were just total jerks. We didn't know anything about stand-up comedy. It was the first times we went to the club. Let's go down and heckle a comedian. So we just wanted attention, right? And we'd sit there with our hands on our, on our face. And then whenever the comic would tell the punchline, we'd switch hands, you know, all at the same time, you know? And we got kicked out. We got kicked out of the uh, club. And uh, as we were getting kicked out that week, that was the first week I heard that they had amateur night where you could call into the club, leave your name on an answering machine, and uh, they would call you back, leave a message on your answering machine, and tell you whether or not you had a spot. So right after I got kicked out, I called and left my name on that answering machine. They called back, said, okay, we'll give you a seven-minute spot Thursday night, be there, you know, nine o'clock, whatever. So I show up on my first night to do stand-up, and they immediately recognized me as the you know, prick that, that they've kicked out the last three weeks in a row, right? And, uh, you know, Howard didn't want to let, let me on, me and my friend's on, my other friend on, who was also kicked out. But the, the, the bouncer, his name was Tibor, is the doorman, you know, when he was kicking us out, we were kind of like, I don't know, throwing some jokes around with him. And he kind of thought we were kind of funny. And he went up to the... He went up to Howard and said, you know what, Howard, I know you kicked these guys out, but I think they're, they're kind of funny. You know, like, maybe you should give them a shot, right? So I went on, did my seven minutes, and I actually had, and I actually think this happens a lot with stand-up. Like, when you're, like, your very first time on stage, sometimes people, sometimes the audience senses the nervousness, and there's an endearing aspect to that when they know it, and they give you a chance. And I did really well my first set. Uh, and Howard said, wow, you know, you shouldn't have been such a prick, you know, like, you, you, you're a funny kid. Come back next week. Mm-hmm. Came back the next week. Didn't Bomb. do, did, bombed. Bombed the second week. Didn't do nearly as well. But I was in now, and I just started coming every week, and I slowly kind well, of Well, my first time I up. did well, too, but be- yeah. mostly because the whole audience was composed of people that the, uh, the comedians had, had invited. Yeah. So it was a very warm audience. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's called a bringer show. I don't know if you have those up there, but uh-huh, where, yeah. where all the comedians have to bring two friends, three friends, whatever yeah. it is, yeah, they didn't in do the audience. Then, but now they do, yeah. We uh, we're, we're we're running out of time. Um, so so I guess people want to come see you, Tom. They go to your website. Yeah, go to my website. I'm uh, uh, I'm in Winnipeg next week, but then I've got the, the rest of the year. I'm in Raleigh, 
North Carolina at the Improv. I've got uh, shows coming up in Dallas at the uh, Addison Improv and uh, San Antonio and uh, Miami Improv. And any th- like any theaters? Up. Why the choice to do clubs maybe? Uh Small theaters. Uh, I do some small theaters too. I just did the Rio Theater in Vancouver, and uh, I like clubs. I do really love doing the clubs. I, I like, you know, if I'm going to fly out to a city, I like, I like, I like to be there and, and do a few shows, and uh, you know, I, I like the intimacy of it, and uh, yeah. But uh, what's your website? Comedians now, I know a lot of them are doing TomGreen.com. Like these, yeah. these small rock clubs yeah. instead of stand-up clubs, but yeah. I do those too. I do a lot of those yeah. clubs too. Yeah. So, but I, I, I just. Hitting the club, comedy clubs, I, I'm loving it. So come see me. Great, and I look forward to what, what time's your set tonight here at the Comedy Cellar? I think it's uh, around ten. Ooh, I'm not sure. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not sure. I, have to, I think it's, uh, it might be soon. Yeah, I'm gonna go I check it out. You have a root canal, huh? You have a root canal. Well, a great pleasure meeting you, thank and you. I've great known you, you for thank years you. through your work. Thank you. Uh, thank you, and Periel, thank you, and Steve, thank you for all you do. Thank you. And that's uh, Steve Yawn. And we, we, you can get, you can um, give us feedback at podcast at comedycellar.com. And you can follow us at, at livefromthetable um, on Instagram. See you next time. Thank you. Awesome.